0: Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. You can download Discover DEP and subscribe to future editions through iTunes and Google Play. Today we're joined by Bill Lindner, manager of the Office of Brownfield Reuse here at DEP, to talk about redeveloping brownfields. Putting brownfields back to productive use not only ensures that contaminated parcels are cleaned up, it also helps revitalize the community in which they are located. Bill, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Bob, it's great to be here talking about a topic that I really enjoy and have worked in for many years at DEP.
0: That's great. Bill, tell us, what's a brownfield?
1: Well, we may as well start with the official definition, right? Sure. So, Of course, we have legislation that defines it in New Jersey. It was the New Jersey Brownfields Act of 1998, which defined a brownfield as an abandoned or underutilized industrial or commercial site known or suspected to be contaminated. So in real people speak, what that basically means is It's land that's ready to be recycled. I had to do a talk from my daughter's school last year, and that was one of the things where I really had to boil it way down, and when I boiled it all the way down, that was one of the things that sort of jumped out at me was, everybody understands how to recycle a glass bottle and what it means to make it into something else. And this is land that once had a good purpose and no longer does and needs to be made into something new.
0: So what sort of parcels qualify as brownfields?
1: Well, one of the things that we use heavily to help us define what a brownfield is, is we allow the local communities to sort of define what they think their brownfield sites are. What are the blighted sites in their community that they're concerned about that they need to redevelop, and they want to move to a new place.
0: And what sort of facilities become brownfields? I know in my town, in uh, Lawrenceville, we've got some old gas stations, a dry cleaner, Uh, that was abandoned that were qualified as brownfields. Are those the sorts of facilities that uh, become a brownfield after they're done operating?
1: Yeah, so that's exactly right. So some of these sites may, if it's a gas station that had a discharge and they are remediating and cleaning it up and the gas station is still pumping gas out of their new tanks, then we wouldn't consider it a brownfield because it's still being, it's still useful to the community and for the owner of the property. But yeah, if the site was a gas station site and has abandoned tanks in the ground, or they're no longer operating as a gas station, or as a dry cleaner, then those are the types of facilities on the smaller end of the spectrum that would be considered brownfields.
0: And I think one of the problems with the brownfields is they're kind of like a missing tooth in somebody's smile. You can go down a, um, a main street or something and you'll see an abandoned place and they're things going on around it, other businesses, perhaps, or residences, and this is just kind of a blighted site right in the middle. Yeah, that's an
1: important thing for our office. The types of sites that we like to focus on are the ones which can be transformational for the community and are blemishes that are currently in their downtowns or in key areas of the community.
0: So it really makes a difference in the health and economic health of that community as well as just the way of life in that community.
1: That's right. Oftentimes, these projects, we hope these projects are going to be catalyst projects for the community. So sometimes if we can clean up a facility and redevelop it, those projects sometimes require funding from us to get them off the ground. And we hope that if there's projects around there or other sites that aren't quite where the community hopes they are, that that our projects will sometimes act as a catalyst for those redevelopment projects
0: surrounding it. Do we have a handle on how many brownfield sites there are in the state?
1: We know how many contaminated sites there are in the states, and that's perhaps a good differentiation that we might want to make. There's 14,000 contaminated sites in the state of New Jersey. Now, not all of them are brownfields, and for exactly the reason we just talked about. We could have an operating gas station that's not considered a brownfield, although it is contaminated, right? So these are some of the things that we're trying to address in the Office of Brownfields. We don't address all contaminated sites. We only handle contaminated sites that are looking to be redeveloped and the community has a need and has expressed an interest to us to move towards redevelopment.
0: So how does the process unfold? If someone in the community, they know they have a piece of property that is a brownfield, they're looking to have it cleaned up and redeveloped, how does that process work here at DEP?
1: So one of the interesting things is that, as I stated earlier, we're not really necessarily defining brownfields for the community. So if the community identifies a site that they are interested in redeveloping, they will declare an area in need of redevelopment. They will try to attract some sort of redeveloper who is willing to do a project that they are interested in doing in their community. Some communities are interested in housing. Some communities are interested in jobs and light industry. So you never know what the community's needs are.
0: Once they've identified a need, can they come to DEP for funding or for technical assistance? What what can we help them do?
1: We have numerous roles that we fill in the Office of Brownfields coordination of efforts regarding multiple agencies, be they federal agencies, state agencies within DEP. We have administrative help where we'll help them to define the edges of their project, meaning what type of project they're trying to achieve, what some of the hurdles are. We would provide funding in many of those cases to allow those projects to be investigated. One of the big problems with contaminated brownfield sites is that oftentimes the perception of how bad they are is worse than the reality. But no redeveloper wants to come into a community and put money towards a site where they don't know where it's going to end up. Mm. So all these projects are predicated upon, can a redeveloper come in, meet the needs of the community, and still make money on their project? Because these are business people. So we try to fill the gap in for the community often by providing public funds to figure out how bad the contamination is. So through our Hazardous Discharge Site Remediation Fund, we can supply a community with 100% of the remedial investigation cost so that they can put monitoring wells in, take soil samples, and actually move the project from the perception of how bad the contamination is to the reality of, okay, we can hand a, a report to a redeveloper and say, this is what we have, this is our contractor's cost sheet of how much we think the site to clean the site up would cost. And that's a really, really powerful tool for, for the community.
0: Yeah, because nobody wants to buy a piece of property without having at least some idea of what problems may exist because that's going to affect your entire calculation in terms of your ability to redevelop that property to some beneficial use.
1: Exactly right. And one of the things that we try to do in the Office of Brownfields is to merge the remedial activity to the redevelopment. So what I mean by that is maybe there's contamination at a site that a clean soil cap would be an appropriate remedy for.
0: What, Um, What is a clean soil cap? So a clean soil cap would be
1: if there's material that's in the soil that is not very mobile it may have a direct contact issue where meaning that if you and I touch the material it would have an exposure issue. But If you remove that issue of the direct contact by putting a clean soil cap on top of it with there's clean material between any person and the contamination, Mm -hmm. that would be a a good remedy for this site.
0: And would it depend, using a clean soil cap, would that uh, depend on what kind of redevelopment was contemplated? It would. And that's actually a key point. So the redevelopment can be tied to the
1: remediation in many ways. So the cap may serve as the tool to make the site usable again. However, if you're going to be building a 40-acre warehouse on top of the site, we may not require you to put a two-foot soil cap on top of it. You can use the warehouse floor, the cement floor, as the cap itself. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of cost-saving synergies there. To import clean fill costs a lot of money to spread it and to lay it down Mm -hmm. and to buy it. If we can allow them to use their actual redevelopment, the buildings themselves or whatever else you're going to put on top of the site, then that's a, a really big cost savings for the redeveloper.
0: But conversely, if somebody was looking to put, say, a child care center on a a brownfield, I assume the level of cleanup would be more stringent.
1: Correct. The list of projects that we have done on brownfield sites might be surprising to many people. We have done anything from an equestrian park on a dredge dump, we've built casinos and community centers on landfills, we've done warehouses on waste sites. We've done food waste recyclings on an oil depot. We've done a baseball stadium on a steel mill. We've converted a brownfield into a boat marina. And we've even done residential on a diaper wash facility. Wow. So the host and the list of things that we can do, depending on the level of cleanup that's required, depending on how contaminated the sites were initially, and depending on how we can engineer around what we may leave behind, all become critical parts of this recipe of how we make these projects viable for the redeveloper, interesting for the community, and acceptable for us as an environmental agency.
0: So it's not a one-size-fits-all solution in any case? No, and
1: it takes experienced people on all ends. From the redevelopment, they need to understand what the limitations are, and, and certainly within DEP, part of the role of the Office of Brownfields is to make sure that we get where we need to be environmentally, but also help the community out with creating jobs or creating new rateables. Oftentimes many of these sites haven't been on the tax records for decades at times. So not only are they ugly and blemishes visually but they are also tax holes in the community and where a community may have once had jobs creating at this facility that was once there, there's a hole in the community also with jobs. So we concentrate on trying to get those back to where they were We're back to usable improvements for the community.
0: As you're describing this, I'm reminded of that story we all read as kids about the ugly duckling that turns into the beautiful swan.
1: Yep. No, and that's exactly right. One of the things that I love about this job is where many people see blighted sites, I see opportunities. And some of the things that you can do with these sites, as I listed, are so amazing and so
0: transformative
1: that it's really exciting to be able to be part of that and to be really creative with what we do here at DEP.
0: Bill, how long have you been involved with the Office of Brownfield Reuse? So I've been in the Office of Brownfields for uh, almost 10
1: years now and before that my role at DEP was as a hydrogeologist where I would be the person at DEP following up on the contaminated groundwater that may have come from these brownfield sites or other industrial sites that that are just contaminated sites. So my role there was sort of interesting, and I learned a lot about how bad is bad Mm -hmm. or what are the cost numbers associated with trying to get these facilities useful again or clean up the land to a level that it can be beneficial. But I had a lot of ideas about how we could do things differently and how we could evolve some of these sites into into bigger picture roles. So my role in the Office of Brownfields, especially now that I'm managing it, has really allowed me to help set the tone about where we want to go with that program. Site Remediation Program, which is the program within which the Office of Brownfields operates, is obviously concerned about cleaning up contaminated sites. The Office of Brownfields takes that to the next level of not only remediating sites but redeveloping them. So that's step two. And one of the things that we're talking about now is, is actually bringing us to a third tenet of what we do in the Office of Brownfields, which would be restoration. So we have these opportunities. Many of us are, our brownfield sites are on water bodies mm. because that's where industry was, right? The Industrial Revolution started around water right. because you could use port activities and move your materials back and forth through the water. So, you know, most of our, of our waterways in New Jersey that were navigable, had that's where industry, industry developed. And those are the blights that we're cleaning up today and trying to make them into something new. And many of those areas were former marshlands or wetlands that were filled in with, with various different materials that were byproducts of the manufacturing processes that these industries were made up of. So, you know, we're oftentimes building on, on historic fill sites and, and trying to then reestablish some of these marshlands that were filled in or increase the the habitat potential for some of these waterways and trying to control some of our stormwater runoff that come from these facilities. So we have these opportunities during these redevelopment processes on these large sites to, to try to make a difference on some of those things. So I'm excited to try to move that forward and have this restoration initiative really become a key part of what we're doing in, in addition to the redevelopment.
0: As you look back over your uh, decade now in Brownfield's reuse, what are some of the projects that really stand out in your mind as as ones you're especially pleased that you were able to help make happen?
1: One of the projects that I've worked on for a long time is a project in Gloucester City and it was a 60-acre radioactive facility that was basically going to sit there till the end of time because Mm -hmm. everybody thought it was too hard. and
0: what, what did they uh, do with that radioactive facility?
1: They actually made paint, and titanium was extracted from the ore, from titanium ore to make white paint. Hmm. And the titanium ore was radioactive. So once they extracted it, they didn't even know that it was radioactive when this was happening. Later on, it was determined that it was radioactive, and the entire site had issues with radiation, and the site was fenced and and basically left there. So one of the things that, that we, we tried to do was to get back out there into the field and investigate this site. And we provided funding to the city to be able to figure out how bad the radiation was, where it was, and how we were going to address it, if it could be addressed. Mm. So it wound up that it wasn't as bad as we had thought, and that we were able to move the project forward. So that's 60 acres of 120-acre of brownfield development area which is made up of 15 different contaminated sites. So some of these projects are really hard because there's a chemical plant, there's a radiation site, there was an oil depot, and all these things are conglomerated into an area in need of redevelopment by the city.
0: All of those things were on that 120 acres? 120
1: acres. As well. And so we sounds talked like or- to-
0: Sounds like a witch's brew almost. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and we talked earlier about trying to create a catalyst project for these areas. And one of the projects, uh, on that site that we're trying to do, or we, it actually is in the works right now, is a food waste recycler on the oil depot. So, by providing funding to do reinvestigate that site and figure out how bad it was, we were able to have a food waste recycler come in, and they are now going to act as the catalyst site. So, this project is also on the Delaware River, so we had flooding issues. Mm-hmm. So, they need to raise the elevation of the property, they need to bring in new infrastructure for water and sewer and gas and all those things. And once we have a project like the food waste recycler, that project acts as a catalyst. So once we get these infrastructure issues moved to that site, then it makes the next one easier. So we hope to push over additional dominoes on that site. Another project that I talked about earlier is actually in Haddon Township. There's a small industrial center in the downtown, six acres, metalworking, the diaper wash facility some other small chemical facilities and the city and it was right literally on their downtown main street and it sat for decades blighted with nothing Mm. happening buildings up and that project right now is actually cleaned up the buildings are going up and it's going to be residential housing with mixed use retail below residential and Right across the street from the train station. So a truly transformative project in their community.
0: And, 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 that was, and not only taking something that was a blight and reusing it, but what a gem. I mean, right across from the train station, I mean, you know, people who commute along that train line, they're going to love to be able to buy there. And then with the shops underneath the housing units, you know, what a great kind of little mini city sort of thing you're creating there.
1: Yeah, and the, the city's really excited about it, and interestingly, one of my own colleagues that came up to me the other day and asked me about it, he said, I'm, I'm just about to cease there. <laughs> so it really became real, you know, this was a project that really had value to that community and um, who knew, even to some of my own colleagues. Yeah,
0: that's great. I'm sure there are a lot more stories that you've got we could go on all day with the work that uh, the Brownfield Reuse Office has done to take sites that were contaminated and return them to productive use. In a state like New Jersey, where really we were the birthplace of the industrial revolution, uh, there are a lot of places around, particularly you know, in the days before we regulated how industrial facilities would dispose of their waste and other things. There are plenty of these things around. As you mentioned earlier, 14,000 contaminated sites across the state, but we've had great success in recent years cleaning up many of them, and a lot of them are, the cleanup is underway, but being able to take those sites and put them back into productive use, whether for Uh, retail or housing or recreation or any of those things is really, it's a great transformative story of how you can take something that is a blight and turn it into a real opportunity for the community and the people who live in that community. It's great, great stories. We have on our description of the podcast some links that folks can click on to find out more about the Brownfield program. Bill, before we wrap up, are there any last thoughts you'd like to share with us before we close for today?
1: We look forward to working with many additional communities that have redevelopment potential and needs for brownfield remediation.
0: That's great. Well, Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been very, very interesting to learn what's going on in the Office of Brownfield Reuse and all the good work that's going on across the state. And I would urge those who are listening, if in your own community you are aware of some sites that could benefit from the services and the expertise of the Office of Brownfield Reuse to click on some of those links we have on the description of this podcast and uh, see how perhaps you can bring to bear in your own community the resources that the Office of Brownfield Reuse has available to everyone across the state of New Jersey. So, Bill, thanks so much again for joining us. Really appreciate your taking time out of your very busy day uh, to share some of your knowledge on this subject with us. Thank you, Bob. For listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcastdep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.